Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Devil Within, a season in hell. We have another bonus episode for you today as it relates to those 13 months of terror in New York in the late 70s. In the immediate aftermath of the arrest of David Berkowitz in August of 1977, several things happened or began happening all at once. First, the city was able to let out a collective sigh of relief after months of fear and uncertainty and anxiety. It all melted away the moment they saw that goofy, chubby dude smiling for the cameras on his perp walk into the precinct. The second thing was the wheels of justice began turning with regard to Berkowitz's prosecution for his crimes. But in the background, there was another important facet of the story that was also in the works. The publishing powerhouse Simon & Schuster had been closely following the Son of Sam murders, and once the bad guy was in custody, they did what they do. They went after the story, confident that there was a bestseller on the horizon. What Simon & Schuster did was offer David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, a $250,000 advance, which is almost a million dollars in today's money, and a profit-sharing position for the rights to publish his life story. The idea of a man who had inflicted such pointless mayhem on an entire city getting paid to tell his story obviously didn't sit well. People lost their minds, actually. So much so that lawmakers in New York City and upstate in Albany, the capital of New York, moved quickly and enacted an entire slate of legislation that would come to be known as the Son of Sam laws. Basically, laws that prevent criminals from profiting from their crimes. These laws would see a rough road ahead as they sought to protect the dignity of victims and prevent bad guys from getting rich. In studio today to discuss this is Los Angeles entertainment attorney and host of the podcast, The Prevailing Narrative, Matt Belinsky. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How have you been? Good? Doing fantastic, Brandon. How's 2024 treating you so far? So far, so good. It's nice Looking to good see on you. Absolutely. <laughs> Same here. It's nice to see you again. Matt and I go back. I was one of the original producers of his podcast, The Prevailing Narrative. Um, I stepped away from the show in the wake of some... Uh, some, some life, somehow things go, you know, in corporate media, you How never know the trials and travails, but we're yes. still here right now cranking away. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So like I said, it's nice to see you and to offer your uh, expert opinion because I will quickly be exposed for not knowing anything about the law. So thank Let's you very do it. much. All right. So what I wanted to know basically is, first of all, as a, as a law student, were you exposed to these laws? Yes, I went to UCLA. So obviously the curriculum there, not entirely focused on entertainment and media, but you'd be surprised how many different facets of the law end up impacting somebody involved in entertainment and media. It's not just intellectual property. There's a lot of stuff in terms of litigation and criminal law um, and constitutional law, which is what the body of law we're discussing here today. Um, And that just happens to involve media figures or or situations that are media centric because they became high profile enough to make their way through the court system. Okay, so you practice mostly what? I, I don't really practice a ton of traditional entertainment at this point. Let's be honest. The traditional entertainment industry, as existed when I was in law school, doesn't really exist anymore. It's, it's shot off in you know, however many 
different directions. Um, so I do, you know, for instance, Pluto TV was a company that I was heavily involved in. And mm -hmm. sure, that's television and broadcasting, but digital streaming. Um, I do some of that. But, you know, now a lot of consumer products and technology and a lot of that has some sort of content or digital digital component, but it's not broadcast television or feature film mm -hmm. as existed, you know, for decades. Have you had any run-ins with these laws at all? I as have. A professional? Um, there was one client of mine that was uh, did a lot of Cuban Miami based true crime, you know, a lot of the, oh, wow. um, yeah, a lot of their, their slate was true crime emanating from the various characters that you find in the criminal, un, uh, criminal world in Miami, whether Cuban, Colombian, um, you know, the drug wars in the Scarface late type of stuff. a lot of Scarface stuff. And here's the thing see, beyond Scarface, which was, you know, the, uh, the Marielle Boatlift and, and the offshoots and the progeny that was the progeny of a lot of tra that transpired in the Miami crime world. Um, but man, there is just the the set the rogues gallery of characters that have fought, that have come through Miami's oh ports um, and just that that had some sort of criminal. If you were a criminal, and people think just in terms of uh, the United States that people escape to Florida, but it's also South America. If you were yeah. uh, involved in some shady stuff in the gold mining world in Venezuela, believe wow. it or not, you make your way to Miami, um, and and. Just anything that you can find in that world seems to have some Miami connection. And this came up a couple times when we were trying to determine what we what deals we could make with the subjects of those incidents, because uh, you want to hear the story from from the source. You want to right. you know, you don't you don't want to get it secondhand. And if you're going to go cut a deal with somebody and you want those interviews and you want their, their source material and they want to get paid for it, you got to make sure it's legal. And were you hamstrung by these laws? Did you did uh, a little bit? Really? Uh, because believe it or not, Florida is one of the few states that's upheld the son of Sam laws. Really? Yeah. Oddly enough. Um, so that was a, a difficult workaround. Um, I'll leave it up to your imagination how, how we worked around it in some regards. I think I know because I had to work around them. Yeah. I did a show in New York, mm -hmm. okay, about uh, an art gallery in New York that sold tens of millions of dollars of fake paintings. Mm -hmm. Okay. The woman who did time for it was out, wanted to talk to us for the show, mm -hmm. um, couldn't because of Son of Sam laws. Okay. Yeah. So we're like, okay, I guess we're screwed. She goes, no, no, I'll talk to you. We're like, uh, okay. She goes, but um, you have to talk to my daughter. Yep. My daughter has to clear you first, and her consulting fee is $20,000. Yeah, it's always some. Not that that's how we solved it, but right. that's some, right. some variation of that solution. And it's like everybody in the room knew that that money was going to yeah. her, that it wasn't going to her daughter. Yeah. But that's a very obvious and really simple workaround. Mm -hmm. um, that seems like a way to just thumb your nose at the law which is another and we'll get into it but as many laws that are kind of hastily constructed out of mm. a media blitz are somewhat ill-conceived even if there's a, a rational justification for it out of a notion of fairness but don't right. really mesh with underlying law and they become a little bit of a whack-a-mole in that there's always an, an easy workaround and that would seem to be the case with these son of sam laws and you know the best piece that i read in even doing a little extra research on on this topic was uh, that the ultimate thesis of the piece was you literally cannot construct a law that will fully withstand constitutional scrutiny in this regard and and that seems very cut and dry and what was their rationale behind that because the, of the first amendment the the first amendment in that try essentially trying to nail down on uh, the connection and trying to narrowly tailor a law mm. 
uh, uh, around the that ties to the content, the nature of the content, because that's the whole idea. You're not trying to punish people for, um, you know, giving their thoughts on uh, their Super Bowl picks, right? They're, you're mm-hmm. trying to punish them, um, and the only way that anything would up would stand up under under uh, law would be as if it's somewhat narrowly tailored to the speech be- them. Uh, benefiting from speech that has some connection to the crime, right? Right. But you can think about it with uh, OJ's If I Did It, for instance, and we'll get to that in more detail. Yeah. But um, you can go look at If I Did It, and you're like, okay, that's content that's pretty on the nose <laughs> in terms of uh, whatever money you make from that book, you're profiting from the commission of the crime or at least the allegation of the commission of the crime. Well, listen, he wasn't prosecuted, right? Right. Uh, he, he wasn't convicted. Um, however, theoretically, let, let's say if the, if the law was um, the content simply can't be a description of the crime necessarily. Well, then, OK, O.J. Simpson could theoretically go write a more extensive or, or have someone write a more extensive biography or autobiography that makes this one chapter out of 15. And all right. of a sudden you said, oh, OK, well, this this is broader. This, that's just incidental to my general life story um, and falls outside uh, falls outside the statute. Yeah. Right. Well, I see that. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of the big uh, problems with the laws as written. Correct. Was how broad they were. Right? Correct. Well, how broad they were, but also, is there a way to identifiably and demonstrably narrow it in terms of identifying, you know, the content? And that's what right. it would, um, do you want to get into the, the genesis of it? So we, everybody has context? Yeah, in a second, okay. I, I, because the... What the, the the case that made it to the Supreme Court wasn't the Berkowitz case. There was, was no Berkowitz case because he never took a deal. He never did it. Yeah, right, exactly. So it was it was the 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 Henry Hill correct book with Nicholas Pileggi, the book that became the movie Goodfellas. Correct. Okay, and that made it all the way to the Supreme Court in 1991. Yes. So is that what you wanted to discuss? Well, we we can we'll get yeah. the genesis of that. Right. Yeah. So okay, as. We see quite often and particularly more these days because there's more media because of social media, thus more reactivity to media. Um, however, there was no more media centric. I mean, the, the son of Sam, as I'm sure you've described, the son of Sam murder and the incident soaked up uh, all the oxygen in the room Everything. at the time. It, everyone, the, all of society was completely obsessed by it. So when the notion arose of um, financial offers being made to David Berkowitz to tell his story and profit from being the son of Sam, Obviously, society had a, a you know a, a rational reaction to that. Yeah, that this visceral. was un- yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. and an outrage that we cannot allow this to happen, and thus some legislation needs to be passed to prevent it. And here's the uh, the you know the interesting thing in terms of Berkowitz is these offers were made, but he never accepted any of them. Right. Mm. This was based just on on uh, this arose just out of him receiving these offers right. and the, the potential of a deal being made. The potential. He didn't even accept any of them. Right. Um, so New York goes ahead and constructs this legislation. The idea being that criminals should not profit from um, filtering their story through media. They should not be paid in response for to, uh, some media expression of of their crime. Can I stop you there for a second? Sure. Because what I'm interested in is that was there any, and I don't. There might you might not have an answer to this, but was there any um, ambition with these with, with with these laws as deterrence? Right. Like say say I'm I'm broke and I've got a family to feed. 
And I decided I'm going to go create a string of uh, pull off a bunch of crimes and then sell the story. From what I've gathered, that was not a conscious motive. Okay, cool. it could have been it could have been a tertiary motive, but it was right. definitely not the the primary one. The gotcha. primary mo- motive was okay. People go and commit crimes and then are going to go get paid to tell the story about those crimes. No, we're not having that. Gotcha. That okay. is not fair. It yep. was out of fairness. Unfortunately, yep. we've got a thing called the First Amendment, and it protects the vast majority of speech out there, but not all speech. Right. Right. No, it's of not, course. You know, well, we won't get into the yelling fire in a theater because everybody is yanked and and distorted the interpretation (laughs) of that case seven ways to Sunday. Yes. Or six ways to Sunday. And the First Amendment only protects you you from reprisals from your government, not from like your employer. Um, Sure. But then there's also, but this is the court system. There's also a lot, there's there's some places that the First Amendment falls where something, and particularly in the age of social media, where there are Mm. uh, uh, institutions that are acting quasi-governmental. Okay. Anyways. Um, so they enact these laws, oddly enough, never even applied to Berkowitz because he never accepts a deal. Mm-hmm. They were mostly applied to Mark David Chapman, who was John Lennon's murder. Okay. It was something like 20 times someone tried to pay Mark David Chapman and, and it got shot down every time. Um, ha- nobody really, you know, makes too much of a stink about this until the early nineties. Nicholas Pileggi goes and writes this book on the uh, life story of Henry Hill, the gangster. Uh, it's called wise guys. And Martin Scorsese finds it extremely interesting and decides to go make the movie Goodfellas and Simon and Schuster, which is a deep pockets, a, a heavy hitter publishing house, maybe the heaviest hitter mm-hmm. decides that, all right, this is ridiculous. These are stories that need to be told. Unfortunately, Henry Hill, he was a bad guy, but now he's a good guy and he did his time and he's, you know, turned mm-hmm. on his compatriots and I'm sorry, these are newsworthy stories and he should be able to be compensated. Um, and we should be able to be compensated for telling this story. And they take the case all the way up to... Okay, so interestingly enough, <clears throat> the, uh, originally, the district court ruled in favor of the state against Simon & Schuster and upheld the Son of Sam law. Right, it's so the okay. New York Victims Crime Victims Fund. The Crime Victims Fund, right? right okay. Um, so the New York, the district court, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the, the, the initial court, the local court upheld the Son of Sam laws originally, but they used an interest, a different standard um, for determining whether this, uh, this impingement or infringement on the First Amendment was, was sufficient because they said that this law only incidentally infringed on the First Amendment because it's not saying you can't say it. It's just saying you can't make money from it. So that's a... F- so- Undue financial burden is how they kind of not that, that was not that was not the standard. Okay, okay so uh, the standard here uh, that, that the uh, lower court implemented was called the O'Brien test, um, and the, the standard was ha- has the law been enacted within the constitutional power of the government? Does it further an important or substantial governmental interest un- unrelated to the su- suppression of free speech? And the incidental restriction on First Amendment freedom is no greater than is essential to that govern- governmental interest. It's a fascinating. That's quite an elaborate standard. Nevertheless, wow. it is not. That's not considered strict scrutiny. That is not the highest standard, right? So they say what they're saying is you're not punishing the speech directly. You're simply imposing a financial. Well, I think this is why it wasn't the standard that was eventually used. Um, but they believe that it was incidentally impacting the First Amendment, not directly impacting okay. the First Amendment. Then the court, uh, Simon Schuster appeals. They take it to a New York district court. The New York district court rules against the the uh, lower court in terms of which standard to use, but upholds the ruling. So they say they they uh, uh, they uh, dis- the the district court decides that what applies now that it is a direct impingement on free speech and thus must be subjected to stri- uh, to what's called strict strict scrutiny. So strict scrutiny means 
that uh, uh, that the law has to serve a compelling societal governmental interest and be narrowly tailored to serve that interest. Those are the two prongs of wow. strict scrutiny. However, the district court upholds the law and says that it is that it does meet strict scrutiny. Right. Uh, yep. And Simon and Schuster says, how the hell does it even meet that standard? <laughs> They decide to take it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has a decidedly different view on it. One of the few Supreme Court rulings that was unanimous, 8-0, they rule in favor of Simon & Schuster and rule the, uh, the New York law unconstitutional. They deem it both over-inclusive and under-inclusive. The over-inclusiveness ruling, I think, makes all the sense in the world. I'm still... I stared at it a bunch of times, and I'm still scratching my head at their justif- uh, at uh, uh, the, the rationale, the reasoning behind the claim that it was under-inclusive. Uh, but essentially, uh, first, the statute was ruled over-inclusive because it applied to any work that expressed the author's thoughts or recollections of the crime, whether or not the author had been accused or convicted, um, because crime-related expression itself is not criminal. Writing about a crime should, not be, pro- should be protected under the First Amendment. Wow. So what are we dealing with here? One, and the, the examples, and this is the best argument against these laws um and dale connor kept on going back to this it, you are essentially preventing this law essentially prevents anybody who is a criminal from profiting off their life story whatsoever now let's look at some people who were once criminals who then had life stories that were worth telling and profiting on they use examples like martin luther king or mm-hmm. malcolm x malcolm yep. x was a youth criminal did a lot of bad things and then you know yep. turned his life around and became a, uh, a a paragon of the community you know at least not a violent one depending on who you talk to yep. and the, the examples of that are endless i mean you could even look at it now i mean marky mark was a criminal. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. It, it can mark, are these laws supposed to prevent Mark Wahlberg from telling his life story? I mean, technically the law would have, would have, there exactly. was a case to be made that you, that Mark yeah. Mark could not sell, could not write his autobiography or profit from it because it included references to his criminality that he was convicted for. Um, so that's the best argument against these laws. Um, so they claimed it was over-inclusive and also the, the law was hastily drafted. So it also, it also only referred to having been convicted of a crime. It didn't even right. mention that you were convicted of the, that, it, that you could be prevented from profiting from telling the story of the com- crime you were convicted for. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's a little hastily drafted. And then the second piece that I mentioned that um, claiming that it was under-inclusive because it imposed a financial burden on individuals related to the content of their, their speech um, where it would redirect the income from that expressive activity, but not income from other activities. Right. But okay, what's your take on that? Because I find that to be odd reasoning. Of course, a law that is intended to prevent someone from profiting from the description of their crime, why on earth would it address anything other than the any activity other than being paid for discussing that crime in media? It's like a strange reasoning. Right. And so then they, in the, in the wake of that, states amended these laws, and there are different versions of it that are still on the books. In, like, in, in about 40 states. Sure. Were there some that were more narrowly ta- tailored and some that... Yeah, so, okay, so New York revised the law in 2001. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think... It, it, it was not a massive deviation from right. the original law, but you know, a couple things that the 2001, the new 2001 New York law did, um, it applied to only a limited number of crimes, which on right. the one hand, okay, that, that narrows the scope of the law, but it doesn't narrow it rationally because okay you're saying it's okay to profit from describing uh, uh stealing candy you know robbing a convenience store but right. you can't profit from um robbing a bank 
For instance, like that's from a constitutional perspective, that's a strange distinction. Sure. Um, it also, and you know, probably where you're, it's a little bit more on the money is that um, it extended the statute of limitations for vic- for victims because that's the other compelling interest. It's not just the two compelling interests, societal interests served by these laws are one to prevent criminals from profiting, but also to compensate victims. Right. So in compensating victims, they extend the statute of limitations um, not from the, the time of having it begin, not at the time of the crime, but having it begin at the time of the profit. Okay. Right. That makes sense. That, that piece of it made sense. Uh, also, they created a very arbitrary $10,000 threshold. So if you make less than $10,000 from telling your story, then you nobody cares. It. Right. Once again, doesn't seem to have any constitutional relevance, but New York clearly, the, the New York legislature clearly wanted this law to be in place and was going to ch- kind of chip around the edges to, it's kind of like uh, trying to chop, you know, nude scenes out to get uh, an R rating instead of an X rating right. type of thing. Um, so one else? of my questions here is that, in the wake of this Supreme Court case, it went from, and again, my fucking caveman understanding of this, profits of a crime, okay, which is defined narrowly, to funds of a convicted person. Like any money that they got sure. would go into the fund, into an escrow account to pay the victims or their dependents. Yeah, and this was just a bit of a way to head off some of what we described earlier about trying to engineer ways to pay, you know, right. get paid around that, which fine. But I don't think that really changed the nature of these no. laws uh, no. at all, which is once again, you commit a crime. The notion is if you all, if you tell the story of that crime or some, you know, in some regard, you shouldn't be able to make money off it no. because then you're also, you're, it's, it's incidental or an attendant to the crime and you're profiting from the crime. Right. right. Um, so I, I think those, the 2001 New York statute, um, has a lot more kind of cosmetic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, changes to it. I don't think it really addressed what the, the court Supreme court and shooting it down originally had in mind. Um, but that New York law thus far has been upheld. Um, but it's also because no one, it might, where it might be coming up for challenge. And this is interesting. Mm. So, uh, Anna Delvey or Anna Sorokin or whatever the hell her real name is. Okay. Fake heiress, the fake, the fake heiress. This is may, it may come to a head around her because she was, she was forced to disgorge profits from her Netflix show. Right. The Netflix show pretty on the nose directly about. We're telling the story of this woman who committed the crime, and this is the crime she committed, and everything else around that is is yeah. kind of supplemental. Um, so that she did not challenge the law under uh, uh, in that regard when she, when those profits and were she disclosed. paid. She paid. Yeah. Did she, Netflix have to pay part of their believe, profits as I well? I believe Netflix had to as wow. well. Wow. Yeah, they didn't challenge it. However, Anna, I think she's already has. I think she's launched a podcast. So you can make the case that the. The Netflix show that's pretty much just about Anna Delphi being a criminal and that's why people are watching it. But podcast, let's say she does 100 episodes and like she only mentions the crime on four of them. Like, do you only disgorge the profit, profits right. on those episodes? Do you say, listen, the only reason anyone gives a shit about this it's woman because is of because your she's crime a crime? So this is, this is, you see the difficulty. Absolutely. You see the, the difficulty of interpretation and enforcement. Um, and this oh, wow. people are speculating that if they ch- they have the state hasn't tried to to go grab the money from this podcast yet but they are speculating they will and they're speculating that if Anna Delvey or her podcast company or whoever else is financially backing her 
uh, has their druthers and is, is so inclined that they will make make uh, a bone. They'll make bones about this, and they'll challenge it, and they'll challenge it. So we'll see. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Happy January! Are you tired yet of all those New Year New You offers clogging up your feed? I am. But hey, if that gets you motivated, then good for you. Go for it. But what if a whole new you isn't necessary? What if you're pretty stoked about some areas of your life? Maybe that relationship you've been working on is really thriving, or the job you committed to is finally working out. If you're looking to maximize what you're doing right, therapy might be the answer. A good therapist can help you define your strengths, get specific, and avoid the extreme resolutions that are difficult to maintain. BetterHelp is online therapy that adapts to your schedule. After they learn a little bit about you, you'll be matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists whenever you want for no additional charge. I've been telling my audience for three seasons now how I've benefited from therapy my entire adult life. So if you think therapy might be right for you, consider giving BetterHelp a try. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DevilWithin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash DevilWithin. Okay, so my other question now is, if, like, the original kind of body that was trying to enforce these, the New York Crime Victims Fund, um, wouldn't they want money to be generated so then they can pay the victims, right? Uh, and and, yes. and wouldn't that be superseded by our civil code? Can't like doesn't that counterfeit sure. all of this stuff? That that is the and this also it's very runs parallel to, for instance, bankruptcy. And this is something that you're seeing right now with a gentleman named Billy McFarlane of the Fire Festival. And Billy McFarlane, you know, who I had on my podcast. Yeah, I remember. Um <laughs> He's at least, you know, I don't know how much he's, he's eaten into it, but when I had him on the podcast, he owed $25 million. This is $25 million rising out of fraud. It's not dischargeable. And, but he's out there and he's making money and he's generating money. And the notion is the more money that Billy generates, we're going to give him just enough to keep him motivated and the rest goes to the victims. And that's how everybody wins here. Um, and then there's, that makes that, sense to me a lot. Right. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you're trying to strike a similar balance under the Son of Sam laws, um, but it's been difficult to strike that balance, but you'd figure, okay, you, you figure they'd land somewhere like the Billy situation in bankruptcy. Right. You can go make money off it, but the vast majority, you're, we're going to let you keep enough that it's worth it for you to do it, and right. we're going to take the rest, and we're going to give it to the victims. Um, I haven't seen that many instances of that so far. Um, where you have seen the the this intersect, and which does make sense, intersect with basic... Uh, a civil civil law and and civil judgments is the O.J. Simpson case where you know it, it, aside from the son of Sam Laws and O.J. Simpson profiting the family of Ron Ron Goldman right. filed a wrongful death suit won that suit in a civil in civil court and yep. was awarded a you know, got a big award from O.J. Simpson he was difficult to collect from but then released this book called If I Did It mm -hmm. um, and since they already had the judgments against him regardless uh, the the notion is that regardless of whether it's media or otherwise, wherever O.J. Simpson is making money from, the most of that's supposed to go to the Goldmans. Right. So, of course, it would apply to this book just it would like it apply to if he was got a job scrubbing toilets. Right, any job. Exactly. Right. 
Um, and so that seems a place where it seems to make sense that uh, if you if if there's already a civil judgment in place and you owe the mo- you just owe the money generally, that this will be one of the streams of income from which you have to pay back your civil judgment. And, you know, that goes through the same same uh, uh, it has the same gauntlet of issues that we described with the Billy situation and how much does OJ keep, how much goes to the Goldman's, et cetera. And that is part of the New York law that in extending the statute of limitations to bring a civil complaint, you can then let's say somebody uh, let's say a family of a victim just didn't have the money or didn't wasn't so inclined to go and bring a civil claim against the criminal. And let's be honest, most criminals are not O.J. Simpson with big pocketbooks, or at yeah, least yeah, yeah. the 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 appearance of big pocketbooks. They're mostly fucking broke, yep. right? So most people don't bring civil complaints against criminals. Then if you find out that the criminal is going to go do a big book deal, okay, great. Now you have three years to bring the bring the civil complaint. Right. Um, so that's one aspect of of the New York revised New York law that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but then to go back to the California example, um, strangely enough, the California Supreme Court struck down the, the Son of Sam legislation, but has not struck down the ruling against O.J. Simpson that he has to direct all profits from that book to the Goldman family. Possibly. And then that brings, brings the question of if O.J. challenged it, would O.J. Yeah. win based on you know, the California, uh, California Supreme Court ruling? Uh, striking down the Son of Sam law. And just, you know, as a matter of interest to everybody out there, the California court struck down the Son of Sam law in regards to one of the guys who kidnapped Frank Sinatra Jr. and was selling his right, his, you know, uh, the movie rights to his story. And the courts, you know, the courts ruled, listen, this is something that people are going to want to see, going to want to hear about. It's the First Amendment. You can't stop them. It seems like a lot of amendments are involved here, like the Sixth Amendment with civil stuff, right? <laughs> but you, they can't impose undue burdens on them. Can't yeah. take all of the money. Got to let them, like, like with the fire festival guy, right? They got to let them earn and live. He's not an, he's not an indentured servant, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's there's the you know cruel and unusual punishment thing that they have to sure. Kind of find. So it's it's just it's really interesting. It's yeah. really really interesting. Uh, and 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 it's also again in my you know not broad or deep understanding of this uh it just shows the 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 states rights kind of situation that we're in because 40 states have them that means 10 states don't sure so in those 10 states you could profit however you want from any crime yeah yeah um one of the unique well you know not necessarily unique but one of uh more unique than in most other other uh sovereign states in the united states where you have these divergent bodies of law and you're trying to figure out what is supreme and if uh, if the federal government um, ha- has passed legislation that would would overrule any of that and that sometimes pops up you know in the oddest of places um, in interpreting these laws for instance in Arizona where this popped up and the the law wasn't struck down but it was struck not necessarily it was but it was struck down on procedural grounds not on uh, constitutional grounds in Arizona this is around a gentleman named Sammy the Bull Gravano <laughs> yes yeah so Sammy course. the Bull Gravano was the uh, number two he was the lieutenant for uh, mafia kingpin John Gotti, mm-hmm. probably the highest profile guy, a mafia figure ever to turn state's evidence and st- turn on the mafia, yep. um, reinvented himself as one of the first guys, you know, importing Molly into Arizona in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have my thoughts on that. Uh, Jesus <laughs> both, you know, personal and, and from afar. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, Sammy, oh uh, Sammy was trying to tell a story. And listen, he had already... Done his time. He right. shows state's evidence. Like, listen, are, are you do then if if you turn on, you know, if, if you get immunity and you, you uh, testify against the other criminals, does that mean that you should be released from this? Um, however, 
apparently in, in Arizona, what the ruling was, the Supreme Court's uh, appellate division ruled that the state law limiting the ability of a con- convicted felon to profit from the crime did not apply to federal offenses, that it only applied to civil offenses Wow! because it was the civil court didn't rule on it. I mean, the state, state court didn't rule on it. Um, also mentioned in that ruling that uh, the plaintiff in that lawsuit did not have standing to bring the legal action because no victim of Gravano's crimes had ever filed a complaint with the board. Apparently there's a, a, a local victim's rights board in Arizona that brought the claim, but not the victims themselves. So they ruled against it. Um, however, the, the court there in Arizona expressly, explicitly mentioned that there's, we, we're not ruling on the constitutional issue. We're not even addressing it. So if someone wants to go bring this claim based on wow. infringement of the First Amendment, that we're not, we'll, we'll discuss that when you bring it, but this is just, we're just rejecting this on procedural grounds and Sammy the Bull got to keep his money. Jesus Christ. So if yeah. a buddy of mine wants to do a show about uh, one of these big drug traffickers from like the Cali cartel uh, who was living in New York and then he escaped prosecution and is in like a non-extradition treaty country where my buddy found him and went down there and interviewed him for like two weeks. Uh, and he comes back to the States to make the show. Okay, obviously, the guy who's living overseas can't touch him, right? But my friend who wants to tell the story, depending on what state he was in, would be subject to the Son of Sam laws because he's a proxy for the criminal? Uh, he, theoretically, he could be. But as you see, right, uh, in trying to determine what is the law, sometimes you don't right. know what the law is until someone brings a claim and gets the court to rule on it. Yeah. That is something that a lot of you know, lay people... Um, are, are kind of blissfully unaware of the notion that there that everybody knows what the law is, and just because there's precedent or just because there's a related law, is that if if there's even you know a slight factual deviation, theoretically you could bring a claim um, based on distinguishing characteristics, or, or try to avoid it based on distinguishing characteristics. Someone could go try to enforce the law and say no, those aren't distinguishing characteristics, and we don't find out what the law is until the court rules on it. Right, and as you're seeing it in New York, right, we're, we're yeah. describing it right now, like. Anna Delvey, it appears that whatever Anna Delvey did with this Netflix show, um, you know, fell within the scope of the Son of Sam law there that has not yet been overturned, and she can't do what she did with the Netflix show. Do we know if, if the same rules apply to the podcast, and if so, how? We don't know. Man. So it's really a, a, a lesson in hastily constructed laws. Somewhat, yeah. Based on the, uh, the public high profile media, media yeah. frenzy, all of that. Uh, do you think that there's a, I mean, your personal opinion, is there a place for these laws in our society today? Um, I think I have to say yes because they're there. That's the reality, right? Yeah, the sure. reality is there are some states where these laws have been upheld and they're sometimes being applied. So do I think it's in, entirely clear cut that they are unconstitutional? No. Mm-hmm. Um, the. Okay. The gentleman, uh, uh, the legal scholar who's, you know, who's read, uh, uh, whose piece I read saying that, hey, there's no way to dis- construct one of these laws that will forever uphold, uh, stand up under constitutional scrutiny. I think he's got a point. Mm. Um, if you really if you challenged every one of these laws, they, they, I, I don't think they'd withstand anything because once again, it goes back to how do you tailor something both in terms of the actual legislation and the language and the interpretation that. That that does not prevent someone or punish someone from just telling other aspects or events of their their life, right? You know, because theoretically, like I said before, if you if the law is okay, we're not we're just not going to let you profit from something that 
is limited just to describing the crime, right? Then okay, that's an easy end around. There's easy circumvention. You just go ahead and talk about some other stuff and then stick it somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Exactly. So that's the difficulty with these laws. I think that's what it turns on. Wow. So we're going to be stuck, as we always are, with an imperfect system. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. that's that li- that's life. Yeah, with these laws, that's that's I, that, that, that's interesting. I think it's hard for me to to really put myself in the position of someone who would be like upset by it, right? Like if I'm a survivor of a murder victim or something like mm-hmm. that, like I think I might lose my fucking mind if the person who who killed someone I love is going to go make a million dollars off of it. Like that, from that point of view, I get it Mm -hmm. from the constitutional point of view in a vacuum, right? Dispassionately. I get that as well. Someone should be able to tell their story and to talk about stuff and, and to do whatever. Um, so I, I completely understand the, all of the, the ups and downs and, and, and ins and outs with this. And uh, I don't think there is a, a, a clear answer. Yeah, there's, there's definitely not a clear answer. Yeah. And I think yeah. it, um, it, it really is a perfect case study of where fairness and rational expressions of the law bump up against each other. Yeah. You know, as yeah. you said, I mean, maybe the, maybe the finest. I don't know yeah, if there's a better one than really, this. Really, really interesting. Yeah. Really, really interesting. And, you know, the fact that it, all the all these seminal cases in on this subject seem to be around really interesting, high-profile people. I mean, look look at who we just rolled I know, off. Right. Like, none of these was <laughs> Sorokin, like, oh, OJ, some guy Berkowitz. that we, nobody heard no, about. They, Sammy the, the Bull. Yeah. Right? The, the case in Nevada, I think, was a, a lower-profile one yeah. that didn't really reach the public consciousness. And they actually, Nevada struck down the Son of Sam law there. But all the rest of these. But like, you're right. They're all huge. The, all the huge cases. Huge cases. Right. Yeah. And, like... OJ is OJ especially. I know that publisher, mm-hmm. uh, Judith Regan. Okay, yeah. And uh, she likes to stoke the fire. She loves to stoke yeah, the fucking. Yeah, she could sure. not give a shit right, yeah. about She's it. She's a flamethrower. Yeah, she really is. She really is. And um, and I just think OJ is just such a. I mean, unbelievable. You were in LA in the nineties, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred yeah. Anybody man. out there listening? There was not. You can. We cannot fully explain what it was like to be in LA. I mean, I was pretty young. I was in high school at the time, but yeah. like. L.A. in the 90s during the O.J. thing, and every person knew someone that had some connection to it. It, it was something else. I covered it in, in the last episode of this season, um, trying to compare that 13 months in New York, right, with the murders and with all of the strikes and with mm-hmm. the massive blackout and the Yankees ultimately winning the World Series. And then, you know, Elvis died four days after Berkowitz was oh, arrested. Wow, I didn't know that yeah, one. Yeah, like a bunch, okay. bunch of shit going on. And I said, all right. In L.A., okay, starting in 92 with the Rodney King riots, mm-hmm. the Malibu firestorm in 93, followed by the mudslides, the Northridge quake in 94, yeah. which we just hit yeah. the anniversary of last week. Yeah. Okay. Then the cherry on top was the O.J. Simpson low-speed chase followed uh, by two, the trial Tupac, of the century. Tupac Biggie Tupac thing. Biggie yeah, hat, right? Yeah. Like all of that. But that wasn't spe- – part of that was in New York. Sure, Vegas, but it's still – L.A. Story. felt it. L.A. LA 100% felt it. Felt it. Yeah. But to have those – all of those events mm-hmm. like back-to-back in a span of like 36 months yeah. was fucking crazy. Yeah, and, and people – every that was how L.A. was discussed and framed at the time. It was like what L.A. story like the – End uh, times. Yeah, not, not end times, no natural disaster in the past like three days, that type of thing. I mean yeah. – it was interesting times out here for sure. Really, really crazy times. But so, so um, did anything that we missed importantly that we need to know uh, about the Son of Sam laws? Because nah, I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. And we, this is- we covered it. I mean, I, I think you just people see the we see what we're trying to do. 
We see yeah. what the societal concern is that they're trying to address. We see the reason that courts have decided that even though there is a compelling interest around it, it just might not be something where you can limit right. speech in this regard. Um, and we see that it's constantly evolving. It's a fluid body of law. It's fluid interpretation. It's going to yeah. come up again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to keep things interesting. And it's just uh, and it also says a lot in describing what and something for people to keep in mind yeah. when a high profile incident occurs and there's outrage and people decide to pass a law. Uh, that that is animated by that outrage, right? You got to be skeptical of these things, right? Society does not operate its best when reacting to high-profile outrage. All right, I like to end these with some rapid-fire questions that I, it. that I didn't prepare you for. Are you ready? Love those. I want you to think about it. I just want you to answer. All right, I think I know this. All right, anyway, we're going to go quick. Art museum or history museum? History museum. Passenger in a car, driver in a car? Driver in a car. Beer or wine? Uh, wine. Summer or winter? Winter. DC or Marvel? Ah, don't give a fuck. Tattoos or piercings? Oh, God. Give a fuck about both being terrible. Although I'll go ta tattoos. Godfather or Goodfellas? Uh, Godfather, but it's close. Dogs or cats? Uh, dogs. Food truck or restaurant? Um, restaurant. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Rock, paper, scissor. What do you open with? Uh, oh man, I've given away my secrets here. Uh, the instinct is to go rock, but I'll I, I try to like negate that instinct and go scissors. Wow, that's yeah. deep. Okay, where do you land on the Kennedy assassination? Um, I've evolved over the years. I think Oswald did it. How about Roswell? Um, I don't think there's aliens. Wow, that's, that's... Oh, no, I don't not think there's aliens. I don't think we've discovered them in the Roswell sense of the narrative. Are we alone in the universe? No. Picasso or Van Gogh? Picasso. Warhol or Basquiat? Uh, Warhol. Tupac or Biggie? Uh, Biggie. Do you believe in ghosts? No. Best pizza in LA? I'm a kid from Jersey. Uh, I got to know your opinion. I'm a simple guy. I'll go fucking Joe's, dude. Joe's is good. Joe's gets the job done. Love it. Yeah, yeah. But here's, here's I'm just going to throw out, oh, are you? Yeah, more? that's it. No, we're okay. done. You got to start going instead of Goodfellas, uh, Goodfellas, Godfather, uh, Godfather, you got to go Goodfellas Casino because that's the tougher call. And that's the more. It's too tough. I don't want to do that and how to about you. The, no, but I'm, I'll <laughs> okay. say it right now. I fucking said it. Casino. People. What? Bro, Casino is unbelievable. Casino's incredible. Hold on. Casino is underrated because it came after Goodfellas and people's like, nah, I can't. They're like, we can't. It's sacrilegious to say that this movie is better than Goodfellas because it's derivative of Casino's better. Here's my, here's my thoughts on it. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I think it's the best performance from Sharon Stone that, that we've ever had. I think she's terrific. Mm -hmm. I think Pesci was great. Amazing. My problem with that movie was that it was too real with Pesci and his brother's death. I mean... When I hear Pesci you and my, say, you and my still, mom, wait, wait, wait. can we talk about well, well, this? Is my mom's problem, okay? No, no, my mom can't do casino because like, I can't watch them get killed. Wait, what? Oh, are, are you a, a, a baby boomer female from New York, Brandon? I mean, she's off the hook. It's my mom and she's sensitive no, and whatnot. Listen, listen, listen. Whatever. They needed to get their ass beat. That's no, how it no, happened. No, hold on. It's, it's all, and I think I know what your mom's talking about. Yeah, I'm sure. Because it's one line from Pesci. Says, come on, he's still breathing. Oh God! When they're that, throwing dirt but, on him. But, but Brandon, that's completely <laughs> separate from the the quality of the film. I, no, it's too good. It's too good. It's okay, too real. Okay, once again, Casino better than Goodfellas. Okay, Casino's fucking unbelievable. Oh my gosh, that scene with him with De Niro and Pesci in the desert. Ever. 
everything. You, who the fuck do you oh, think you fucking you are? You Jew motherfuck oh, you. you. Mother and I'm Jewish, so no Karens out <laughs> okay. there. Okay. I married a Jew, so it's yeah? fine. All right, yeah, there yeah. we go. Um, um, but still, man. Every, it, oh, the way yeah. it's shot, Lester Diamond, come on, man. Lester Jimmy Diamond's Woods, such a great character. Bro, Jimmy Woods, wherever you're so out there. So real. Again, yeah. so too real. For sure, for sure. Her love for him was so honest. Yeah. Right, that she would do anything for him for this fucking loser. I know for fucking yeah. loser. And you've got this guy who's successful, has high stature, and is like the fucking woman I love is going for this fucking pawn scum and gets his ass yes, beat like he should have, but uh, even it doesn't even matter. Look, no, it, it's it's she ties the daughter up to the bed to go out. Oh, man, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it, all 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 ostensibly a true story, which I think is is terrific. Yeah, and um, and it, listen, it's. It's great. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fucking masterpiece. great. And I I think I, I think you're right. I would agree with you that I fall into the Goodfellas was is a cultural touchstone, you know. Sure. And so I I would it just overshadows because because yeah. it was so the Vegas version of Goodfellas and Goodfellas was groundbreaking. And only 5 years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. but Casino is a better movie. It's really good. Yeah. Are you glad we went in this direction on <laughs> this chat? It's, it's really good, but it's too hard of a question. Huh? Godfather, I mean, good, Goodfellas uh, or Casino, people right, would go, right. whoa, you know what I mean? I want to be um, nice. N- okay, it's, it, no, C- Casino versus Goodfellas is more esoteric question because people mm. are expecting the Godfather versus Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, the esoteric nature of people having to really kind of parse the two like Scorsese masterpieces mm-hmm. might, might be a little... Might short circuit. I would. Yeah. I did. And anyone over <laughs> under age thirty eight probably wouldn't was. Know. No, these wouldn't, fucking wouldn't, teeny wouldn't. boppers. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up today, Love Matt. It. Let people know where they can find you. We could talk about prevailing narrative a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, everybody. I mean, you know, primary social con- social media content is both my Twitter and my Instagram. M a t t b i l i n s k y. Podcast. The prevailing narrative available you know spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts um typically weekly little travel over the holidays so have not yet broken the seal on 2024 but we'll be doing that shortly um that's another story altogether brandon yes um but uh it's you know uh everything from a discussion uh attack on current events to uh 2024 certainly be political heavy but that it's certainly not a political first podcast um interview series with persons of interest whether those in the social sciences business world what have you um you know and uh yeah it was help uh, this man right here brandon helped me craft it and uh, it was a pleasure doing it with him and you know here's what i'll say about matt and his content he's a great follow he's an interesting follow he's not an easy follow okay like it's (laughs) not there's no softball shit coming at you there's it's it is opinion heavy it is this is why things are supposed to be the way they are you'll get mad at him but uh (laughs) you'll find it really hard to disagree because no, I'm serious. Because Thank the arguments you. are very, very well thought out. Thank you. Um, and uh, and it's not that he's afraid to, to to have an argument. Um, I just don't know how many people you've run into that have won an argument. You know, not not many, right? And not, and, and listen, and yeah. I, listen, I'm not producing your show anymore. I'm not I'm not jacking you off here. It's just it's just true. Thank I, you. I was there on tons of your of your interviews. Okay. And I would always say the same thing when I'd come back on afterwards. I went, I'm taking notes. I'm uh, like, I'm learning shit here. Thank you, you know, man. really learning stuff. And I always had fun warming you up, trying to say things that would piss you off. Before. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> Brandon, I know you're what you're trying to do. You think you're, but think it got you're your fucking, blood going. Sometimes, yeah, that's yeah. not hard. That's <laughs> got, not hard. It got your blood going. So <laughs> I highly recommend give Matt a follow and definitely check out the prevailing narrative. Um, he's got a wonderful back catalog of episodes that are, are relevant 
today. I remember you interviewed Peter Navarro, one of your first interviews. Na- Navarro, you and know, he, and he's, he might be looking at some time. He's, uh, yeah, looking at some time, man. Um, yeah. That was man. That feels like a lifetime ago yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of that that universe, I had Rick Grinnell as well, and yeah. it looks like everything our from boy, the, across politics and finance and current events for sure, and, and, and a lot pop culture. And a lot of social sciences and yeah. one topic that I didn't even, you know, I, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to dictate everything. I'm also yeah. looking at what, what market information comes in. I, I talk a lot about mental health, but not just mental health in terms of the very cliche, oh, here's how to improve your mental health. Also, how society's dealing with mental health. Yeah. I've had a few episodes on that and they've been particularly popular. And I do think I have a unique perspective on where we're going wrong in talking about mental health, mm-hmm. in in our approach, in how society has kind of made it just another social media campaign topic mm-hmm. um, that's really not serving a lot of people. And I've done a few episodes on that, and uh, that was my, my last one at the end of last year um, with a psychologist named uh, J.D. Haltigen, super smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a few of those, so, you know, if you're just poking around the prevailing narrative, you know, maybe go check out some yeah, of those Yeah, really. Check it out. Like I said, you might not agree with them, but uh, it's hard to ignore them. So, um, thank you, sir. Check out the prevailing narrative, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Uh, I could have not have navigated this by myself. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Devil Within. You can find us on socials at The Devil Within Pod, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, stay safe. The Devil Within: A Season in Hell is a Cloud 10 Media production, recorded live at Bel Air Studios in Los Angeles, California. Written and produced by Brandon Morgan. Executive produced by Sim Sarna. Our post-production supervisor is Bruce Whitkin, who also provided original music for this episode. For The Devil Within, I'm your host, Brandon Morgan. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.